Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Mel. I'm Helen. And I'm Janet. Many large life milestones typically occur in our 20s and 30s. Things like work promotions, moving to new cities, developing serious romantic relationships, buying a home, getting married, starting a family, etc. All events and occurrences that are markers of growth and progress. But between these milestones are periods that can often feel like stagnancy. Nothing's really wrong in life. In fact, things can feel pretty stable and okay. But so stable and okay that you might feel like you're kind of on autopilot. Not really inspired and not really excited, not really growing. And you might find yourself thinking, I don't know, like what's next in life? Mel has shared with Helen and myself that she's recently been feeling a little bit stuck. So this episode is dedicated to our Mel Mel and anyone else out there who is also feeling like they're a little stuck in their own lives. Mel will provide some tools that she's been using to work through these feelings rather than allowing them to keep her in a place of stagnancy and complacency. So for Mel, hello, Ms. Mel Mel. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Can you share in what ways or parts of your life have you been feeling stuck? Yes. First, I really want to say thank you for letting me talk about this in this episode and To give everyone context, it took me a while to get to a place where I felt comfortable sharing this because I was a hot mess. Like the past month, I was crying on and off. And this week was a lot of crying in preparation for this episode. But hopefully I'm all cried out and I'm ready to talk about it and yeah, see what's out there after this episode. But yeah, for me, the feeling of being stuck is a very interesting place um, because it actually comes from a lack of personal growth, which... It's the opposite of stuck. Mm. Also, I'm feeling like there's more out there in this world I really want to experience, but I can't really do that or I don't feel like I have the complete answers yet to kind of take those steps forward. So one thing I've been asking myself a lot during this time is like, where did this feeling of stagnancy come from? You know, is something I, you know, again, I ask myself a lot because I really want to like understand because not having the answers really suck for me. I mean, I want to know the origin of this and... For me, I would describe this feeling of stagnancy as I'm in transition again and it feels really uncomfortable and I feel a little bit awkward. And I was like thinking about like, how can I use, how can I describe this feeling or describe this moment? And I say, I feel like a puzzle piece that used to fit perfectly. Um, I used to love my life and now I feel like I don't fit anymore. It, it seems like the piece, the puzzle piece I was has shape shifted into something else. And I'm trying to fit that piece back in my life, but it's not fitting. The origin of this feeling, it's like a mix of, you know, previous desires and wants not being fulfilled, which I'll get into in a bit, and feeling a little out of place 
in LA and feeling further removed from where my other friends are in their own personal life. So let's talk about like, why do I feel like my needs are not met? And I'm not talking about physical needs. That's a, that's a, I don't feel that at all right now. Um, I think for me, like I've been wanting to experience like living in a different country for two years now, especially Taiwan. Um, and I feel like I'm just waiting for the country to open up so I can go back. Um, for those who don't know, Taiwan is actually closed off for travel right now. So you have to um, you have to quarantine for two weeks, and I think you need a certain visa or have like direct family members there, and it just seems like a hassle, and I don't think I qualify for that. Um, so I've been talking about this for a few years now, but it just feels like I'm just waiting. And when I think about what Taiwan has to offer me, it really is like a lot of things I want packaged into one. Like for example, sorry, I was just going to clarify for our listeners, Mel, that you had initially, you were planning to go to Taiwan before quarantine, right? I was, well, the thing for me is I go back every two years just to visit family. Mm -hmm. And I think I had this inkling of wanting to like live in a different country, probably in the beginning of pandemic. It wasn't before. And it just started to grow more and more as the pandemic continued. So Mm -hmm. it's only been like two years of this desire. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to go last year. That's, yeah. Yeah. So I just, I remember, so you you tend to visit Taiwan almost every year or every two years. Mm -hmm. So not only has that not been able to happen, but on top of that, during during the pandemic at the beginning, about two years ago, you had actually made specific plans to actively go to Taiwan and be there for a couple of months. And that's just been constantly pushed back. Yeah, no, for, for sure. It's been it's been pushed back because I thought it would open up by now. And then at first it was doing, Taiwan's doing great in terms of like dealing with COVID, but then, then it started not doing so great. And so I had to change my plan. And um, it's weird because when I talk about my, or my relationship with Taiwan or like if anyone has a relation with their own like motherland, it's just, it's a really interesting dynamic. I, I treat Taiwan like a person because I've been there since I was a child and it holds, it holds a lot of like deep seated memories for myself and um it just feels really foreign for me not to be back there in so long. But when I think about Taiwan for my other wants and needs, it relates to a lot of other stuff. Like, for example, one, um, when I think about the, the pandemic, any topics related to my family, my culture has been the one thing that's, ha- that's kept me going the past two years. Because I know everyone's dealing with the pandemic in their own way, but anything for me reading the books about Taiwan or talking to my family, anything like culture related has made me happy. Um, the second thing is that, like I mentioned, I've never lived in another country before, and I've been wanting this experience for a while now, especially kind of diving deeper into both your experiences living abroad. It just made me go, man, like this sounds so much fun, and like the desire just keeps growing and growing. And the last thing is like, I don't know, I think with this year, um, I personally don't feel like I'm adding any additional value to ABG, and that sounds weird, mm-hmm. but like I feel like I can explore how I can maybe help grow ABG in Taiwan, um, whether that's connecting with other entrepreneurs or creators out there and just sharing that abroad experience. And when I say that I'm not adding any value, I feel like I'm doing my job. I'm doing it well, like writing social and, you know, doing episodes. But I think a part of me has a strong desire to want to add even more value to ABG. And I feel like I'm not doing that. And, I, and, it, and it kind of it's a shitty feeling to feel that way. So when I think about Taiwan, there's all these things I want to accomplish and do that it's packaged together. So that's part of the reason why I feel kind of stuck because I am stuck in the U.S. and I can't go there. Um, the second thing that I pinpointed as like another reason for this is um, this is one of the hardest things for me to like, I guess, accept or acknowledge, which took me a while for me to share with you all, is that like everyone knows that we have such a strong friendship and like amongst us three especially we have like a sisterhood which (laughs) (laughs) i feel words like that make me go oh you guys are so woo woo 
Um, but yeah, we have a strong friendship. And I remember years ago when I kind of like entered this friendship or even our group of friends in LA, I remember feeling like so like cool because I was the youngest one. I am four to eight years younger than a lot of the people in my group in LA. And at first it was really cool, but now I'm kind of feeling the difference. And, you know, like, for example, you know, with the great news of Helen's pregnancy and, you know, Janet dating someone, which I set her up with, um, <laughs> it kind of made me, you know, evaluate where I am in, in my personal life and question if I'm hitting the things I want to be. And I kind of want to, like, bring this up, too, because I do get asked a lot, even, even in my DMs and my, my friends who aren't within our circle, if I compare myself to you both. And the reality is that, yes, I do. But in this time of my life, I'm not comparing myself in a, oh, she's so much better than me or she has this that I want. It's more like comparing myself of where am I in my own life, mm-hmm. in my timeline. Mm-hmm. And I will say that in this time, it's been, it provided a lot of clarity because I remember one time I was crying and Helen goes, do you want a baby? <laughs> Every like do, you, like, do you, like, do you want a baby? And I go, to be honest, I don't right now. Like, I love being around kids and, like, around your nieces and nephew or your niece and nephew. But if I had to ask myself right now, 30-year-old Mel, like, do I want to be pregnant right now or have a child? I probably would say no. Like, I don't even think I want to get married next year. Like, mm-hmm. just it just me comparing my timeline with you both made me realize, like, oh, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a weird, like, oh, cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to chase these things to feel like I belong. It's just more, like oh shit like I want something else and that kind of feeling scared me because I'm just like oh I want something very different than them I think that is a very important distinction and framework for these transitions that are happening to close friends in your life knowing that you see changes in mine and Janet's lives and undoubtedly you're affected by it but you're not comparing for comparison's sake and seeing success quote-unquote success somewhere and wanting to grab at it and being like oh I want that for myself right now it's like you can be happy for us which I know you are but Mm -hmm. still feel unfulfilled in your own personal aspirations and that's completely okay I think that's that's what you're going through right now it's it's kind of like facing a mirror of what are my personal aspirations and why am I not there yet yeah on Mel's path yeah, yeah. No, you like you package it so well. I think it's weird because a part of you is like kind of proud of that realization. Like, oh, like, because I, I'll be honest, like my negative behavior is to compare on that like really basic, like, oh, she's better or oh, that kind of level. And like, I was like, I caught myself like not doing that. I was like, or not have that negative mindset. Um, but it's like also challenging when like the mirror is placed in front of me. You're like, no, what do you want? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. Like mm. it's that feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll go into the other feelings that I felt with like comparing our group of friends or like where I am in life um, in terms of my feelings. Um, I also came to the conclusion that I love LA. Like I moved down here to pursue my passion. And like, I definitely found like my home here with my friends and my literal home. Like I live here. But I came to the conclusion that I think LA is going to be the place I'm going to call my forever home. Like I see myself having a family here, like not next year, but having a family here and like really setting my roots, you know, and you guys are all here. But so with that in mind, I thought to myself, like, why am I grounding myself here now, like in this immediate moment? So I think sometimes like I feel like there, like I feel like there's this opportunity to explore the world before I actually settle down. Like and I think about like, I'm renting right now, but I think about signing a lease again for the next year. I'm not like excited about that at all. So I'm just like another year in LA, like in doing this again, like the same thing, like this is what I want. So I think the idea of wanting to explore and not feeling anchored to LA right now is something I'm also 
exploring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mel, you talked about a lot of different things here about love for um, a specific like place that you wanted to visit and you wanted to kind of try living in, mm-hmm. um, the place of all of your friends in your life and where it might be different for you. Uh, and then, you know, specifically about your tie to your specific city right now. Beyond these aspects of frustration that you shared with us, you also seem to really be dealing with a lot of like internal conflict. Mm. Um, the things you've listed all seem like completely valid reasons to feel stuck or challenged, right? But in conversations with you, we can sense that there's been kind of an extra layer of discouragement. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you can kind of share some of that. Yes. Um, this is the part where I'm going to challenge myself not to cry, but we'll see. Um, okay, so another feeling that I've been like, it feels like it's just been, it's always there. I think with these thoughts, it's like I feel a lot of guilt and a lot of sadness with this guilt. Like you mentioned, Jay, like I, I, I do feel inner turmoil and I kind of, I'll try to break it down in terms of like the different feelings. Like I feel like my brain right now is like so many like ongoing like, trains of thought with guilt and sadness that the first thing I'll say is like I do feel extremely guilty for unexpectedly entering another phase of my transition and I know out of our group of friends I am the most emotional I am like I cry like so easily and I just feel so bad sometimes that I put my emotions on you too a lot and I just feel really guilty having my friends deal with me and my emotions. And I don't know, just like that's a shitty feeling. And then I also feel like I'm dealing with like this feeling of I don't belong anymore. When I say I don't belong, it's because like I think before I even talk to you both about, about it, like, yes, when I'm comparing where I am in my life with you two, it's just feeling like like feeling really far removed from you both. Um, I think because like the past few years, like I felt like all three of us were kind of in the same place and this is something I never had to consider. And we always did the same things every weekend and like, um, and yeah, but then I think now like seeing where you both are at and kind of moving closer to like your both personal goals in your timeline, I kind of like felt like, oh God, like you both are closer in the timeline than I am. And I feel kind of more further removed. And so I felt like I didn't belong anymore. So that's something I felt. And then another feeling of guilt was because um, I didn't want to share with you both how I felt because I, I didn't want you both to think it was your fault, you know, for making strides in your own personal life and feeling as if like you both are the reason why I feel like shitty. You know, it's not, it's like the like, I don't want to burden you both with my feelings because I don't want you both to feel sad or like feel like it was your fault because it really isn't. Um, it's just more like the reality of it is we are in different moments in our life and um I'm just in this time um but obviously I'm still processing this but I think I still I felt guilty about that feeling because if I had to be honest with myself it did happen when you guys both were moving on you know and I felt kind of like oh now the mirror is in front of me and like where am I um but that was another reason my guilt and um I also felt guilty because I did find myself trying to find other people who are in the same age group you know, who are 30 and going, um, going to them for, for things because I felt like we had similar things to talk about. So it's kind of like, I don't want you guys and my friends in LA to feel as if like I'm leaving them because I can't talk to them about these things. I don't want you guys to feel like, oh, like you're, you're even less than in my mind or like whatever. Cause I value all my friends very highly and equally, but it just made me feel guilty. Like, oh, I have to go to other people now for this. It's kind of like, if I had to pull back, it kind of reminds me of, um, 
I think Helen, when you talk to us about your pregnancy, as much as Jan and I want to be there for you and understand, like the reality is like, I'm not bearing a child and I don't understand like physically and mentally what you're going through. And I think at first, like I felt like a shitty friend, like I wanted to, but the reality is like, I'm not going through that. And I'd rather you find people that have gone through it or are going through it. So you could hundred percent be on that like level of, of like getting each other and being there for each other. So I think in some ways, I'm looking for that as well with what I'm going through, but there's also a lot of guilt with that too. Another part of my story, there's like a lot of long, obviously there's so much things I feel guilty about. And the next thing I feel guilty about is like, I don't feel like I deserve to feel like I want more out of life when I have so much to be grateful for. Like, dude, like I know how grateful we are to have ABG, to have this experience to work at like an passion project job, having amazing family and friends and having a roof over my head and having food on the table. So it's just kind of like, who am I to ask for more when I have all these great things? Um, and then, like, I think I feel sad because, like, obviously I'm crying now because I feel, like, the guilt is part of the sadness. But I also feel sad because deep down, I I think I've been hiding all these feelings from you guys or my friends at first because of all the reasons I listed. But I felt sad because I think deep down I, I really wanted everyone just, just to just understand what I was going through as, like, a 30-year-old. And I think sometimes I do feel like I'm the youngest and I assume that our group of friends may not just understand what I'm going through, which I know I shouldn't. I share things kind of casually sometimes that made me feel like they're not going to understand. They're not, they're not going to support my decisions for wanting to do certain things. And I, I spent a lot of time thinking through this feeling and I didn't realize I was sad because I wanted people to understand me until I had to sit down and prepare for this episode. Mm-hmm. But when I think about how much I really wanted to be understood, it made me remember this moment where um, I was alone and going through these thoughts. And my friend Sally um, called me out of the blue when I was literally just being by myself. And I literally had my like laptop out just to process what the fuck I was going through. because so I was so like lost. I was so confused and I didn't have any answers. And Sally is like one of my closest friends. Like we lived together in college for years and she's also 30. And she literally just called me. And the first thing she said to me was like, hey, I just wanted to check on you and to make sure you're not feeling lonely right now. And I don't know, after she said that, I just like started hella crying because I'm like, damn, I I think I really feel lonely right now because I'm so alone with my thoughts and I don't know who to share this with who I could feel like would understand. And I think this is a moment I realized I, you know, again, like I did feel alone in my thoughts and I just really wanted someone to say, I hear you and I understand you without shame and feeling like I should be feeling something else because I feel like the world expects me to be happy all the time and be grateful. And I wasn't that. And I think in that moment, I felt really seen and heard. I failed that mission of not crying. And when I say I felt like I wanted to be understood, I want to share another example when I say, when there's moments when I don't. And I remember one time I was telling one of my friends that like, I want to go to Taiwan and like, I really want to do all these things. Or maybe I just, I just said I wanted to go to Taiwan. And the person said to me, I hope you're not running away from your problems, Mel. And I don't know why, but that really rubbed me the wrong way and made me feel like I was in the wrong again for wanting this desire. It's, which maybe I'll go in later, but I think, yeah, I think overall this moment in my personal life, I just feel stuck because one, lack of personal development, two, like a lot of guilt and a little bit of fear of not knowing what's in store and sadness. And I think right now I'm just like kind of like waiting Hmm. for that Taiwan experience. So that's all packaged in one what I'm going through. 
Thank you for sharing that, Mel. Um, don't worry about crying. I think it's much better to get it out and be like have the catharsis of releasing your your tears and your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted you to share this feeling of guilt because I think that it's oftentimes whatever we're experiencing, there is there is like the top level of feeling lonely or whatever it is. And and when you feel guilty on top of that, that just like intensifies the frustration of what you're going through. Mm. So first of all, though, you're completely valid. Everything that you shared makes complete logical sense. You're at a different place in terms of your age and in your life than a lot of the people around you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like very directly going to make you feel lonely. I could relate to the period when a lot of my friends um, started getting married. Mm. And, you know, like I... I think for me, because I still had you ladies in mm-hmm. my immediate circle, I didn't feel that as intensely as you did, right? Mm. But slowly, the ability to meet up with people, to have even the weekly phone call catch-ups, it starts to disappear a little bit because mm. people are going through that period in their life where they're like tending to their own, to their partner or figuring things out on their, you know, their internal circle. Mm-hmm. So it's completely valid. And I think it's harder for you because your immediate circle is going through that and, and you're going to be like, oh shit if I need to go find other people to relate to, does that make me, like, am I abandoning yeah, them, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not. We are all three of us right now in a different place in our lives. And like you said, for Helen, you want her to seek, you know, mm-hmm. other people that can directly relate to what she's going through. Um, for me, I'm working through something with another person right now. I need to spend more time with on that as well, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And the same for you, whatever you're going through, like, you need to find other people to serve that as well. Mm. Like there's no single group of friends you're ever going to have, even in your family, that can serve everything for you. Mm, That's true. But I do want to thank you for sharing those feelings of guilt because I think that it's very common and probably also within our cultural upbringing Mm -hmm. to, (laughs) to not only experience the sadness or the loneliness or the anger, but then to feel guilty about it. And it's just something that I caught in my own personal patterns when I was going through shifts and periods and realized that if I could just release the guilt or release the self-judgment, like judging myself for feeling lonely, judging myself for having a hard time, it made it easier to move through those feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for you also, like you've done a good job of, I know, trying to preserve us from sharing. You feel bad for like being emotional and crying. Honestly, like for me personally, what makes me feel like I went through those things for a reason is being able to help other people feel understood and heard through that. So when you come to me, I will tell you if it's like draining me, right? But to a, to a certain point when I, if I'm able to listen to you and make you feel better or share a piece of information from my experience that makes you feel better, that makes me feel better. Mm. So on that level, know that, you know, there is, there's that. And on top of that, you've also been seeking, like you've been going and talking to your therapist. And I think that is something that's a prime example to our listeners of anyone who's going through life transitions, that sometimes your friends, it can be hard for them to understand, right? And if you can't get understanding there, like it's good to seek like a third party or, you know, to seek other people to offer you different perspectives. No, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I shared this later, but like, I think when I'm going through this, I'm like, oh, it made me realize like, oh shit, Janet went through so much transitions and like the career, uh, we talk about your career, your career switch, but career also plays a big part in like your personal life. So I think when I go to you, I'm like, it really just like dawns on me like, oh, Janet went through a lot of these things that I could now utilize myself and learn from. I think all of us have our own strengths and something with you, Mel, even you just like talking through your emotions 
I was, because you mentioned, you know, when I was going through my pregnancy and I was going through this transition as well and wanting to find friends, like you kind of, everything you said about how you're feeling was how I was also, Mm. you know, feeling then about the guilt of like, oh my gosh, I have to like leave my friends now and go find new mommy friends. And this is weird. And I don't want to go find new mommy friends, but I need to find people who to relate to. And it's, I, I don't think it was until now when you explained how you were feeling that I'm like, oh shoot. Yeah. This transitions are 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 like that i guess like you 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 verbalize it and you summarize it very well what you're going through and just want to thank you for being able to verbalize your and communicate your feelings to us um i think you also described it really well earlier when you said you felt like you were this puzzle piece that used to fit perfectly and now you feel like you don't belong because the way that i kind of see it like your piece has stayed the same but for some reason all the other puzzle pieces around you are transforming into these weird new foreign squiggly shapes and you're like hey that's cool that you're changing but acknowledge that i'm still here Mm -hmm. so if anything if i were to look at that puzzle board i would think that it's not your fault that everyone else is changing around you right but at the same time like you still want us to all fit perfectly like we Mm -hmm. used to and I, i think that's a really good way to visualize sort of like what you're feeling right now and invalidates that you are in every way right to have these feelings because no one dictated this huge transformation in everyone's lives at a specific point in time. And I think you're just feeling like you want to change as well, but Mm. you're not there yet, but you're going to get there, you know? I also think that it's extremely brave for you to share these feelings with us, which again, you have on on a personal level with us, just me and Janet, but now with the rest of the ABG audience, hello world. (laughs) But I think this is the type of uncomfortable transitionary feelings that all of us feel at some point in our lives Mm -hmm. but we either only share it with our close friends or we even keep it to ourselves because we feel that guilt like you you mentioned for feeling ungrateful or feeling like why am i you know seeking attention when nothing is happening in my life and i should just be a support system for other people who are going through things in their lives but no like i've said to you personally you are your own individual with goals and aspirations and if you feel any ounce of stagnancy feeling stuck honestly i think that's the worst place to be when you're stuck you don't feel like you're you're growing like personal development i think for all of us is very important and when you feel stuck that is one of the worst places to be so you have every right to feel you know the way that you do and when you express it only then can your friends and us you know, be there to support you. So thank you for sharing and being vulnerable on this podcast and with us. Oh, okay. Thank you. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand.
But I guess, Mel, like, what, in what ways have you been trying to work through this? Yeah, that's a very good question and something I was, like, I was stuck for a bit. And I was like, okay. Because I think working through it is something I really, in some way, like, desperately wanted to figure out. I think I'm moving forward with tangible solutions that I can take. And the first thing I realized is, like, again, talking to friends who are single, 30, and trying to figure out their life. Like, I have friends like Sally and Miles shout out to them, who are both dating and figuring out their careers helps validate my feelings because Sally, Sally's, she's great. Like she'll like validate me all the time and we share our therapy sessions with each other and like all this stuff. So I really appreciate that. Um, the second thing is like what I mentioned before, is, but it's also talking to people who have previously gone through transitions at a later age. I think the later age is a big key component for me. Like personally, I feel like I understand and experience a post-grad, you know, finding my first job, that type of transition. But this this transition in my 30s is so new to me. Like, to be honest, at 30, I was like, I'm going to be confident, you're 30, flirty, whatever, the thriving crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not. Um, but also, I, I think with that, I have more understanding and appreciation for that moving episode we did with Janet when she moved like 50 locations. Remember, Helen and I were like, damn, you were all over the freaking <laughs> world, really. But, you know, now where I am in my life, I'm like, oh, I really appreciate Janet. Because I remember I asked her, I was like, this is like kind of like a side note to this topic. But I remember asking Janet one time, I was like, whenever I get deep into like my discomforts or sadness, like of this transition, which I do, I always think about like going back home to my family and like just going home. Mm. And it's like, I kind of feel like a child again. I think it comes from a place where no matter what, my family will always be consistent and they don't change really. And I think, Helen, like you mentioned, like, yeah, I mean, I do feel like everything around me is changing, but my, my idea of family is the same. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you're also explaining the change thing, it really reminded me of this episode in Friends. I'm a huge Friends fan, so I always find similar scenarios. But in the last season, um, Monica and Chandler are, you know, having a baby. They wanted to move out of the city. Rachel's moving out of New York. Like, everyone has things they're going through. And Joey goes, he was like complaining. He's like, why is everything changing? He's like so <laughs> upset. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's me. And so like, I feel like I'm going through these weird things, but talking to someone like Janet, who's been through so much changes and you did live at home after going, moving in and out so many yeah. times is something I wanted to ask you about too. Yeah. Actually, the more that you're talking about it now, it made me realize that it was, um, it was when everything in my life was shifting, it was seeking some sort of stability and community and your family and your core is at least for me and I think for a lot of like you know Asian American people like that is the thing that is kind of constant and as I think in my American brain I was judging myself for moving back home after college or whatever but my parents were so happy to have me back you know and I think because family is such a big thing they're like don't why are you feeling bad like come and you know come and stay with us take this time to spend with us but because of my like millennial mm-hmm. you know high achieving brain I was like this is a sign that I'm like failing and moving backwards but yeah I think it comes down to when things around you are in high shift and you feel very alone because to your, like I think when I did all those transitions and moves I didn't I had core people that were close to me but they were all in different places in their lives and my life didn't look anything like theirs right so feeling that sense of alone and being able to know that you have, like you seek that community or that family or that groundingness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I've been thinking a lot about. Like it's weird. Cause like I used to say, I value my, like I used to hate to admit this, but I would value my friendships so much a little higher than my family, even though I love my family. But lately I just, I'm really enjoying the time I'm with them. Like the, the time I get to spend with them and I find myself like, texting my family more and like texting my brother. And I'm like, Oh, this is so nice. And I, 
I get really emotional talking about family because like I feel like they have been there for me the past year. Um, it's also from a place where like I mean moments your mom would nag you here and there. Like I think all of us get nagged by our mom saying like oh, yeah. don't eat that whatever. But there's always a level of unconditional support I feel with them that I'm like oh this is really nice. Like a cons- it's like a they're my encouragement machine in some weird way. Mm. So I, I think about that a lot. And the last thing that helped me work through this, which I have a lot of a lot of breakthroughs with this, is actually talking to my therapist. I had a really good session with her yesterday. And I'll be honest, like sometimes like I go into my therapy sessions like not having anything to say and not crying at all and, and being like, oh, that was weird. Uh, or like that, that, I didn't gain that much. But like there are all the times where I, I do gain. And yesterday was something I'm like, holy shit, that was a really good session. And I was crying throughout it. She said a lot of good golden nuggets that I'm just remembering that I really want to share with everyone. The first thing she said was like, it sounds like you're reclaiming your time in your life again. And I was like, oh, she's like, it sounds like you just woke up and now you just realize like, hey, what, what do you want? Like you're 30 now, like, you can do whatever you want. So I think in a lot of ways, I wanted to like blend in with our group in LA. Like, I, oh, like, like before I was like, oh, cool. I'm the youngest one, whatever. And like, but the, the years after that, I feel like I just blended into the group and I was like, oh, I'll do whatever. Like we're going with the flow of it. We're kind of enjoying the same timeline, whatever. But She's like, this is the first time you're realizing where you are in your life and how do you reclaim that back? And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a good thing to think about. And she also said something that I really want to remember. And I think honestly having conversations with you two privately is something that has pushed this thought further across is that like, she said, you can hold, we can hold all the experiences in one hand. And she was saying like, you know, I interpret this as I still care a lot about my friends in LA and even though I'm going through my own thing, I want to be there and be present and learn from what you both are going through and remind myself that, like, Helen, like, you, you told me this and I need to, I remember, I try to remember this, is that every struggle is valid and one's not higher than the other. And this idea, like, helps me be present for our gatherings and talks because I know I still value this connection, this friendship. And even though I'm going through other things, all of these experiences that we are going through individually is something I can hold in my heart and understand or try my best to understand and be there, not feel my original feelings of like, oh, I'm so far removed now. Or like, I want to distance myself because I'm going through something different. It's more like, no, 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 no. Like Helen's going through her pregnancy. Janet is going through her dating stuff and I'm going through this, but we could still coexist, mm-hmm. coexist in this strong friendship. And I don't want that to bring us down or in some ways, change i want to be able to evolve or understand that and hold these experiences still very close to me yeah and then actually going back to so i I was trying to mention this earlier but then i totally that thought just (laughs) fled my mind but um i remember when i was talking to our friend because remember when i had the conversation with our friend because going through the pregnancy stuff i just felt like oh my gosh i don't relate to Mm -hmm. my friends anymore our core group because everyone's always talking about dating and i'm just like not i felt like very out of place Mm -hmm. and one thing that he said that really stuck out to me which i think you're touching on right now is that you know he said to me like helen we're friends that will stick with each other through all of our life experiences just because i'm going through something specific in my life right now doesn't mean that that our friendship should end because there was a point during my pregnancy where i was like oh my gosh i need to leave these friends and i felt so guilty and so uncomfortable with that thought even entering my head and i think that's something that you're thinking about right Mm -hmm. now too but when he said to me like oh when i broke my leg 
what if all my friends left me because I was in a weird situation that no one else was feeling mm. or was able to relate to? And he said that then I wouldn't have any friends, you know? I guess that's more of like a drastic example, but to sort of parallel that to what you're going through, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like your friends should evolve with you mm. and vice versa. And same with my, me and, you know, my situation with our friend group and same with Janet and finding her new lover and going through her, you know, situation. Yeah. I really do think that our core group of friends are so strong that we're going to continue growing together through all of our transitions. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you for sharing that. Like, I, I could understand you a lot more now when I finally process my emotions because, yeah, there was that initial, like oh shit, like I need to find, like I need to leave. Yeah. Because I think in some ways I'm like, yeah, it's like the idea of leaving, it's just, it's like a shitty feeling it too. It is, yeah. Because in, in my head I'm thinking like, no, no, I really don't want that though. But you're like going back and forth in your mind, but I totally mm-hmm. understand that feeling now, Helen. So thank you for sharing that. I also think that this is where like the difference between kind of friends that you seek community with just because you're experiencing the same things versus the friends that are for a lifetime, which become more like family. Because if you think about your family, you think about your aunts and your cousins and your siblings and your parents, even the relationship you have with them, they all struggle through different things, right? But you're still bonded because you're committed to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where whenever we've said like we feel like we're evolving beyond just friendship to like a family, that's the kind of dedication I think of. Mm-hmm. And even in, when I was going through a lot of my shifts in my careers and I couldn't relate to the lives of my friends anymore I did also have those moments I was like oh shit does this mean that I need to like change friends yeah yeah but it's it's not we still found a way to kind of get through together you know yeah and I think that's something like I kind of need to be reminded of I was like oh shit yeah like that's that's true and so that's one thing that we talked about in my therapy session the next thing is like she she's like you know knowing that my family plays a huge role in feeling comfort and feeling comfortable how can I amplify this even more She's like, you know, maybe you could put more pictures around the house. And I was like, oh, shit, I don't have any pictures around my house. And, you know, call them more and think about ways I can tell their story more. She's like, how can you carry the legacy of your family? And I'm just like, yeah, totally want to do that more. So that's something that I'm putting in my head. The, le- the, la- the other thing she said is, how to, because she's like, you need to learn how to let go of this guilt, which I think is the biggest thing I need to figure out. And she said this quote, she goes, do you tend to feel guilt and a resentment when you're pouring from an empty reservoir? You know, so for me, and she also said, um, when you let go of guilt, you make room for more imagination. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of ways, I think of two things. One, um, yeah, I feel, maybe I do feel a little empty because if I had to reflect back on my year and she even said it to me, she's like, Mel, you were really busy this year. You had so many, she's like, I feel like you're going to so many weddings. You had so many birthdays and all these events going on. But when did you have time for you? I was like, yeah, I don't, you're right. Like, I think with that, I didn't have much to give even more. I felt guilty giving to myself. I don't know, like, maybe I just didn't have have room for that. And for the imagination thing, I was like, damn, like, that's true. Like, my mind is so clouded with guilt. It's taking up so much room that I don't have any desires for anything else. And to ideate, to like, I don't know, even like strategize really cool things for ABG. I feel kind of like, okay, I'm stagnant here too. So when she said that, I was like, yeah, I need to let go of guilt for those two reasons to for self-care fucking badass with ABG. Like I I just need time to like imagine again, you know? And my last point kind of relates to that, but, and this is something I feel like our friend Tim has said to me too, after I I talked to him, he was like learning how to pour back into my glass. Um, And again, it's because I feel like I was pouring into others this year and like, I was a little little guilty because I did enjoy all these events I was able to be a part of. And because they're very important to me, my friends' celebrations, I want to be present for them. But 
you know, it was a lot this year, you know? So I was pouring a lot into those cups and um, pouring back into my, my cup and not feeling guilty. And also another thing is like knowing that Taiwan may not be in the near future. And I guess like put more into my personal growth that I can, or experiences I can do now in the present. So little like short-term things that I've, I've done is like, I've been wanting to learn Korean for a while. Duolingo didn't really help me in the last year. So I actually bought a, a set of books to study and I signed up for classes online that I am excited to like do. And um, I want to get back on top of my reading goal, like one book a month. And I think the last thing is like really enjoy these moments with my friends and like, like kind of lean into moments. Like that's, that's the one thing I really want to do. So whether it's just recording or like we're grabbing a dinner, like kind of like sit there and be like, oh, this is like so much fun. You know, like mm. I think that's one thing I want to, these are actually, these are a lot of things I'm trying to do to combat this feeling. I love these bells. And I think these are all very good concrete, like tangible points of how you're going to refill your glass. And for anyone out there who is going through their own transitionary phase, it might not be the same as what, you know, the things that Mel mentioned, but I think it's important to sit back and sort of reflect on what I, what can I do to sort of manage these feelings rather than trying to avoid and ignore these feelings. It's like, how can I manage it and how can I grow with these feelings? Um, And I think the fact that you are seeking out therapy, that you are being active about this is definitely a sign of your character as well. And it's a very positive characteristic to have because you are not the type of person to be stagnant and to just be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be okay with this. Like you take action. And I think that's a very good representation of just your, your character. I feel like given the circumstances of what you're going through, given the list that you've just listed out, you are doing exactly what you need to do, even if it's still uncomfortable right now. Thank you, Helen, for sharing that with me. I, I don't say you validated me, but you validated me. Um, we both. We, Jen, Jenna does a very good I, job of validating you both. You both, <laughs> you both uh, make me feel good in the actions I'm taking with this and provide a sense of comfort, even though it's a little unknown still. Mm. Um, I definitely shared what I'm currently going through, and you both have probably experienced feeling stuck and stagnant in yourself. And Helen, I know you shared a little bit earlier about, you know, dealing with your pregnancy and like your identity, but is there any other experience or other moments that you felt stuck? Maybe this year, last five years? Personally, for me, the one that I think about that comes to mind the fastest is, um, I mean, I guess I'll just be honest on this podcast, you know, as much as I am thankful for my finance job that I had prior to ABG, every day I felt stuck. I think most days I would wake up not excited for work because I would wake up to five emails from people who send it at like 3 a.m. pulling an all-nighter because that was just the company culture and you kind of just expected to be on at all times to put out fires, right? Mm. So every day I would get into the office, put a smile on, do what I needed to do, do it well, and try and mentor others with perhaps this like false vigor that I had for the company culture. Um, And I just remember feeling so stuck because in my childhood, I personally did not grow up with much but my parents you know they gave me everything that they could and I grew up wanting to take care of my family and pay for their car payments pay for their mortgage even even if they never asked me to that was something I chose as my immediate goal when I started working I had no other incentive for life other than what I had known which are people who raised me and took care of me right so I felt stuck because I felt like I was good at what I did. And when someone asked me, what else do you do in your free time? I remember feeling really shitty about myself because I was like, I don't know. I don't collect stamps. I don't collect rocks. I'm not like a, you know, what else am I supposed to do? I just like to dabble. I'm like a jack of all trades, but a master of none, right? Um, And 
being good at Excel was not enough, it felt like. And I hated that I didn't have that answer. And I think on top of that, like work never allowed me the freedom of time to ever tap into that part of my brain that was curious about what else I could grow a passion for because they kept us so busy all the time. And I just, I felt stuck because I had somehow convinced myself that having status and money was what everyone strived for, especially coming from a very traditional Asian family where money and status back in the homeland was what people needed for survival. And I learned that, you know, from my parents, which is just one generation away from me. So it's like, why would I complain? Who am I to have the privilege to even think about and second guess that I had one of the best jobs coming out of a finance major that all the other finance students wanted? Why would I even question leaving? And it was this constant daily when I had the chance to think about it, tug and pull and personal fight and struggle in my mind because strip away all the perks and benefits and status and money of a finance job, I really felt stuck for many, many years at that job. How did you, I'm just curious because I can't imagine being stuck for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like how did you, did you, was it always in the back of your head or how did you distract your, like how did you deal with that feeling for 10 years? Sometimes I like to think that <laughs> I have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> like I, I think I said this before to someone who asked me the same question. And I realized that maybe this is a positive characteristic and also a negative one, that I am pretty resilient about things. So whenever I face a negative experience, it's very easy for me to be like, okay, I got through it. I can do it again. And then I almost forget about that experience. Mm. Even when I think about my pregnancy with my first trimester, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't think that was that bad. But then I, when I read back on my journal log, I'm like, oh, shit, that was bad, mm. you know? Like maybe back then I wouldn't have wanted to have another second kid and now I'm already like, I'm on to my second one. So I don't know. I think that, but in addition, I didn't know what else I would do. So not having the time or energy to think about what else I would do kept me there for a very long time. So then what actually ultimately happened for you to improve that situation. Yeah, so what happened was, um, and I shared this on this podcast before, it was a pretty extreme situation in my life where I had finally decided to like seek help. I was going to therapy and it just snapped me out of like where I was in my life. And to be honest, like all that happened during a time when we had started ABG in 2017. And I had started to really think about my own story. I still remember when we first started ABG and we had to do the outlines and things like 20-something girls versus 30-something women. And we had to do a lot of reflection on our lives. I remember thinking, this is the first time that I could remember in recent memory where I was able to carve out time to reflect and think about me. Mm. Like no one else but me and what I valued, what I'm happy about, what I was sad about. Pretty basic stuff, right? But it's incredible how deep in the weeds you can get living out someone else's agenda, society, families, expectations of you for such a long period of time without doing some real reflection. So maybe with ABG and all the deep talks that it kind of forced us to uncomfortably get into, I was able to snap out of this robotic state of what my corporate job had really meant to me. And I knew I was doing it, the job, because I valued family and stability. But what I had rediscovered through therapy and through ABG is that those were not my only values. You know, if anything, they were values that I knew I would always be there. I would always want to take care of my family and have stability. But to add happiness to the equation, I had to address other values that had been forgotten because I was in such a haze of just doing good at my job. And I also realized from this podcast, I mean, I, I kind of knew the first one, obviously, like I'm a fire sign, I'm a Sagittarius, I knew that. But from the podcast, 
we took tests, right? These personality tests. We took the Myers-Briggs test. I am an ESFPA, which is an entertainer type. And my Enneagram is a three, which is an achiever type. And even though it's like silly when you get the results and you're like, oh, this is who I am. I would say for someone who was so lost and so stagnant that these tests can kind of help you frame in your mind who you are and how you interact with the world. And even like what your natural calling might be. Because my Myers-Briggs test literally said to me, you don't belong behind a desk job. And I remember taking that in college and ignoring it, but taking it again in my late 20s with ABG, getting the same results, and then it clicked something differently in my mind after going through many years behind a desk job. So as silly as these tests are, y'all, it could really show you, you know, who you might be. Wow. I feel this this talk is also bringing me back from like years ago. Like in some ways, like I'm happy you're sharing that that time when you were stagnant because I think maybe I forget that that actually was recent like that Mm -hmm. wasn't very long ago but we've been doing this for four years Mm -hmm. but it was a lot of like big questions are being asked during that time when we decided to go into ABG more seriously but realizing that hey you know when you're doing your job you you were only happy you know and Mm -hmm. that's something I forget because we're just so in the moment of what we're doing now but I'm curious as we're on this train of the past you know, if you could go back and experience it all again, would you do anything differently? I think as much as people think that I am this huge extrovert that has a lot to share, innately I'm a very private person. And sometimes I wish I had been brave enough, kind of like you are right now, Mel, to have talked through these feelings out loud without guilt. And maybe then I would have taken the leap of leaving that job a little earlier. Although, to be honest, I don't have any regrets because I I do believe that I needed all of the experience in my job to be able to help and support and grow ABG to where it is today. But I also think about how young Helen in her 20s really wanted some guidance from someone who was an older Asian female mentor. Someone who was like a sister to me at the job to give me some real guidance. But maybe because of the nature of the company and who gets to the manager roles and promoted and all of that, there just weren't a lot of options. So I felt very alone in my thoughts and not feeling like I was ever in a position to complain. I, I felt probably a lot of, you know, what you had described earlier, Mel, too. And that was also in my like late 20s, like around that period of time. And yeah, I think even just like talking through this, it it does remind me how important it is for us to continue something like ABG, because I wish I had someone to tell me that everything I was feeling was normal, that I shouldn't feel guilty, that there is a way out, and that, you know, I could have been brave enough to take the leap if I wanted to, but I just know that I was stuck there for so long because I didn't have that talk and that guidance. Um, And yeah, I guess something that I would have done differently is just really try and seek out that mentor that I was hoping would just fall into my lap, but never Mm -hmm. did. It is actually really powerful listening to you recount. Like we've talked about everyone's Mm -hmm. story on this podcast so many times, right? But when you say it in from this perspective of um, a time of feeling stuck and having it framed that way, that was, I feel like very insightful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, You're a person of high endurance, but I will also say that in those settings, they make it so that it's incentivized for a high achiever to stay and to continue achieving, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that there is something to say for our listeners out there. You know, like you said, there isn't, uh, you wouldn't go back and do anything differently per se, but for the person out there who might be having the back and forth, you know, thought in their mind, like maybe just talking to someone could help you reflect. And it's not whatever you choose to do, whether you choose to stay or you choose to leave or try something else, like being kind of, 
acknowledging your feelings and not feeling guilty for them is important mm-hmm. yeah thank you so much for sharing your experience it's i will say that even as like someone who didn't work in corporate finance that you have you that job you worked was very intense and i know it put you through the ringer in the last 10 years i could see why you felt stagnant i think as someone who came from digital media would you say there's other like more traditional corporate jobs that might have like more of a balance for people who to not feel stagnant or like yeah. i guess what would be advice that you two would give really quickly for people who might feel standing at a corporate job. Yeah, I mean, I think every person is different. I, myself, given my experiences, given my background, given my upbringing, like maybe I wasn't completely meant to thrive in an environment like that. But there were other, you know, if we're talking about like AAPI specific, there were people there who thrived there maybe this job really did align with their values versus with my values mm-hmm. i think the family the the financial stability was part of it but it had other values that i was really suppressing for the purpose of staying there right so i would say that this is completely my own experience although i have talked to a lot of people who are you know asian americans working in a job like this and there, there's always this inkling that everyone kind of feels this way but no one talks about it oh you know like there's something underlying where it's like i don't feel like i belong but i can make it here and i can prove there's like a proving there's like a challenge almost right Mm. to get to to get that promotion because statistically i mean numbers don't lie it's like statistically there aren't enough asian female managers partners at a firm like that i was at and it's just that that's the facts right so of course there's going to be more of a struggle to get there but at the same time, I don't think my experience is everyone's. Mm-hmm. And to deal with that, you know, I think finding mentors, even if they're not Asian American, which honestly for me, I think would have helped a lot, finding some mentor to help you through your situation and to really feel invested in you, not just in your career, but in your personal life is like key to sort of survival and feeling like you belong in a place like that. Mm-hmm. With holiday season around the corner, I am slowly trying to figure out what to gift everyone. One person on my gifting list is my roommate of five years, Darlene. She's training to become a professional dancer and trains late into the night. Our walls are a bit thin, so I can tell she's looking for ways to feel the music at night, but also not disturb our neighbors. With that, I'm totally eyeing the Raycon wireless earbuds for her. I know it's a gift that she'll use every day. With seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise-isolating fit, you can start listening right away and keep listening for hours. Raycon also offers 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. This is perfect for Dar, so she doesn't have to break her concentration when she's choreographing. So this holiday season, get your friends or family something they can use for calls or music, for work or play, or at home or on the go. Go to buyraycon.com abg today to unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off your Raycon order. But hurry, this offer is available for a limited time only, and you don't want to miss it. That's buyraycon.com slash abg to unlock up to 20% off your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash abg. Hi, ABGs and ABBs. Stephanie here. The best duvet cover and sheets I've ever purchased are from Brooklinen. Super soft, breathable, and comfy, so it makes sense to trust a luxury bedding company to get loungewear right. Brooklinen has a starter kit of tees, tanks, and sweats to help you transition from your bed to the day's activities. I'm the type of person who needs to change out pajamas to feel fresh and start my morning, but I'm not about to wear jeans while working from home. Their Delancey tee and bleaker short is the perfect combo for feeling cozy while looking composed. It's the button-free, zipperless, softest clothing option for me. So go on, get comfortable, and get it for less at Brooklinen. 
Go to brooklyn.com and use promo code ABG to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code ABG for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's brooklyn.com, promo code ABG. All right, now for Janet, you've been through many transitions as you know, transition queen over here. <laughs> what are some moments that you experience feeling stuck? Yeah, so um, talking about rewinding back to the past and kind of reliving our stories, I'll talk about um, one of the more critical transition periods for me in my, I think that was my mid twenty, mid to late 20s at this point. And that was um, choose, making the decision to leave San Francisco. So... Um, uh, for any potential new listeners out there, or for, as a reminder, um, I, I grew up in Southern California, and after college, I moved up to the Bay Area. Um, and I had been eyeing San Francisco and the Bay Area ever since high school. It was, um, I don't, I think I visited with my dad and one of, uh, one of our like family friends, and I just got it in my mind that I really wanted to go to Berkeley. Uh, I didn't get in, and that was kind of the thing that, like, you know, for four years, I kind of, you know, did what I could in San Diego. But after I graduated, I was like, I really want to go up to the Bay Area and experience life there. I was really drawn to kind of this, like, quirky, hippie vibe of the Bay. Um, And also living in the city of San Francisco, uh, experiencing kind of what it is to live in a metropolitan city and to be kind of a young working professional. Um, And for me... When I had been in San Francisco about for about four years, and at that point, I felt like I had fulfilled the experience of pursuing and doing all the things that I wanted to do there. Um, and I started to feel kind of stuck. And in hindsight now, when I reflect back onto the deeper aspect of feeling stuck at that time in my life, um, it was also because I feel like I lacked really finding my community there. Uh, Though in San Francisco, I had a couple of very good individual friends, I hadn't really found like a group. And, uh, you know, when I started working there, I was in, I was working at Deloitte. So I kind of built a a bit of a community with my working professional friends. Um, But then when I left Deloitte, like two and a half years in, and I started exploring these other types of like careers and lifestyle things. And like, Helen, like you said, like not knowing what to do really Part of it was for me at that time, they said you shouldn't leave a job with less than two years of experience as your first job. So I stayed there, but I also didn't know what else to do. And I, in hindsight now, and I look at all of my Berkeley friends that had, they had like the frats they were in and they had people above them that worked at, you know, in the jobs they did. And they had their paths to look at for like how you jump mm-hmm. around in, in the business world. I didn't have that. I came in from San Diego kind of randomly. And I remember like thinking, I don't like transfer pricing, but I have no idea what the fuck else to do or how else to do it so um and and this is also from my personal experience I feel like I took the leap because a was a little bit of being the brashness of a young person but also you know my parents like they kind of warned me but I think I had the luxury of knowing that if I really fell that I could go to them but when I made that leap I think I really like my social circles and any sense of community kind of left I felt so disconnected from people Um, I I went into the world of trying to pursue looking into social enterprise work, found a random internship and essentially kind of entered this new community of people. And I spent that time there. I kind of like worked with two different companies, but I realized I still didn't really feel deeply connected with the people there. And I didn't feel like I found my place. 
And, you know, it takes like a good six months to kind of explore, but you can get a sense. And this wasn't, and I think I realized what I was looking for was not just a job. I was looking for a community. I could sense that I didn't really feel like I found people that maybe look like me or or that experienced things the way that I did and really bordered this weird kind of like coming from a corporate lifestyle, but then also wanting to do good and just feeling like I, I could meet people that understood my value system. Um, and so... I was at this place like four years in where I no longer related to the people I worked with. I no longer really felt inspired by the city I was in. And not only that, but when I was like trying to find the community elsewhere, everyone around me was working in tech and I just did not have a passion for that. So I I was like, okay, look, I'm trying to like find my place and I just, you know, I didn't see it there. So I think that combination of not being inspired or stimulated by anyone or anything around me really put me in a bit of a depressive state. And so that experience of... um, of feeling stuck, I really, Mel, I can relate to, <laughs> to the things that you're, you're kind of experiencing. We heard this story before you, but maybe because where I am in right now, there's a lot of weight now when I hear this story. Like, oh shit, like Janet went through all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And even feeling of like the depressive state, like going in, like in and out of like sadness is something I, I think we all feel during this like transitional time. But thank you for sharing and having something I can kind of, I don't want to say rely on, but like, I guess it's, it's just shows, a reference point. Yeah. That you can yeah. Be like, okay. This is not, uh, this is something that people go through. Right. Yeah. And that I they can go through. Yeah. And I think the different thing with you is like, there's another weight to your story because you left your home to go there and trying to like make it. And you're thinking to yourself, now what? Versus like, I'm here in the city. It's kind of like you are, you've also left home mm-hmm. and you came out here pursuing something. Um, and maybe you still are, for you, I think you you know the the career path or thing that you want to do, right? You might not know the next step right yeah. now or you might be deciding, but I think for you, it's that feeling of disconnect from maybe the people around you. Mm-hmm. And when you say feeling lonely, that now when I think back to my time in San Francisco, I, I was really feeling lonely. I didn't quite, I wasn't able to like really put it together in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I had a really good friend, a really good friend, one of my best friends to this day, but that's not always enough if mm-hmm. you don't feel stimulated like by the work if you don't feel like you have a home in work or socially it can be very like what the fuck am I doing here you know yeah yeah but for you for SF like what ultimately happened for that situation to improve yeah so I still remember like one of my really good friends Kristen saying like I know you're in a funk and I I don't know how to help you right and I I stayed in that funk for a little bit and then I kind of just was like okay I can't I can't stay in this funk and I made the ultimate decision to leave San Francisco and to try to pursue any type of career there and then instead to look into advertising and then change into the city of New York. Now, to make that transition, I basically signed up for a boot camp program in Miami. So that was the thing that I was like, I need to put a stake in the ground to motivate me to get my ass packed up from my apartment and 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 go somewhere, right? So I was like, okay, I'm putting down a down payment for this program in Miami, then I need to go and I have a, I have a timeline and a date to lift my like depressive state out of this and like move my ass out elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it. <laughs> uh, but I can kind of give maybe for anyone else, I know we have a lot of career transitioners that listen to us, but when I left Deloitte, I was really, I didn't really have the strong sense of direction, but Helen, when you were like, you were pursuing, you knew you taking those quizzes that you're like, I'm not meant to be behind a desk, right? The two things that I could hold on to was like, I feel like I want to help people and I feel like I want to do something creative. Those are super broad statements, but I thought, let me pursue the helping people thing. Thus, you know, I kind of mm. worked a little bit in this the social enterprise space, but when I could start to sense that I don't think I'm going to do well here or this isn't the right place for me, 
and then I hit that second state of burnout, then I was like, okay, I'll look into something creative. But then what did creative mean? I did a bunch of research and I talked to a bunch mm-hmm. of people. I'm like, do I want to go back to school for design? Um, and then at the time in tech, UX was really big there. And I had friends that worked in tech and were like, you should look into UX. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to work in tech. That's like, I think I'm craving something more artistically creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I was dating a guy who was a graphic designer and really in the ad space. And that was what I ultimately kind of after researching and talking to people, I was like, I just need to make a decision. So I'm, I was like, okay, if I want to go into advertising, what is the best place to do advertising? New York City. Mm. And if I want to get there, what's the place that, I, what's a way to get in? And he mentioned this bootcamp program. So I was like, okay, then that's the thing that I'm going to do. So sometimes in the face of like not knowing what to do, you kind of just have to like make a decision. At least for me, I found that leaping because making one leap led to other sources of information and, and being able to adjust. But I think for me and my experience, what ultimately snapped me out of that kind of feeling depressive and lost in San Francisco was just putting a stake in the ground and being like, I'm going to Miami mm. to, to do a boot camp for advertising. I have a question. So now that you've sort of survived all of these experiences, if you could have had the choice when you were in your um, transitionary phase and not sure what to do, would you have wanted to know what the answer was? Or looking back now, are you happy that you had to go through all of these different transitions to get to where you are now? I definitely am happy that I went through those transitions from hindsight. If you ask me like going through them again, would I? That's hard. I don't, I had some hard, hard times in New York. (laughs) But if I hadn't done that, so here's one potential scenario that would have played out. Say I ultimately just, was like, yeah, maybe I should do UX design. I'm in the prime place to do that. There's boot camps direct, directly in San Francisco. I probably would have stayed there and I would have continued doing that and maybe I'd be in a tech career in San Francisco now. But New York was a thing. So when I said that I dreamed of San Francisco in high school, I also dreamed of New York. I was a very aspirational high school student and always thinking about going to different places. Had I stayed in San Francisco, I think I would have still always wondered about New York. And then and in my mind, going to New York to pursue something that felt like sexy. And something about advertising felt sexier than tech to me at the time. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that was the one thing that I kind of took away from my New York experience. I remember coming home to Mission Viejo, grabbing coffee with a close friend. And I was little, I was so, the way that I was like depressive in San Francisco, I felt like I got beat up. When I came back from New York, dude, people were like, you are, hello, are you there? Like snap <laughs> out of it, you know? And then she's like, well, at least you did New York. You wanted to do it since high school and now you did it and you're never going to wonder. And I was like, okay. At that time I was like, that's not enough to make me feel good about what I just went through. But in hindsight, pulling away from that experience, yeah. um, I took the long and hard route to getting to figure out UX design in a stable whatever. But I think if I had gone direct, I would have always wondered. But I do think that during that period, I was chasing a lot of trying to change all of my external things and not quite doing enough internal work. Um, I don't. I didn't really start going to therapy until after that. Until after I came back from New York, and it was um, in hindsight. Now I think that I'm so glad that I made those external changes that I did and, and made those decisions. But I wish I had balanced it out more with kind of reflecting on why I was chasing those things, my personal values, all of that. So that is something that I feel like I hear Mel that you are doing right now. That if I could go back, I wish I would have given myself a little bit more of that. Yeah, because I was going to ask too, like, why didn't you go from SF to LA? Because advertising is really present here. But the way you're describing it, and I think Helen, you could relate to, but I think sometimes, like, this is what I'm feeling now, is like, sometimes a, a location just is calling you and you just have to experience it, whether it's a f- win or a fail yeah. in your own mind. Like, 
it sounds like New York was calling you. Helen, you moved from Boston to L.A. because L.A. had a calling for you. Yeah, it did, ever right. since I was 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and I left a very steady and stable yeah. boyfriend who I thought I was going to marry to come to L.A. Yeah. Because, yeah, and I agree. I think sometimes a location just calls for you, and you kind of just have to explore it. Yeah. And it's the scariest shit ever. But sometimes you just have to take that leap and, and see what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Same with you and Taiwan. Yeah. I know you're gonna you're gonna get there and you're gonna be like, oof, cool, live yeah. this out. Yeah, I think it's when you were. It's really weird. Like this episode is providing a little more. Like, oh yeah, this is something everyone feels like this calling for a change of scenery. And sometimes certain sceneries are gonna be like shouting louder at you than others. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. So Mel, you kind of shared with us before some steps you've taken to try to feel unstuck. But after kind of. This conversation now, where we're reflecting back on um, the moments where we felt unstuck in our lives, what do you think now is going to help you feel unstuck? First of all, I just want to say thank you for you both for sharing your both your stories. I, and I think in some ways, like even I heard it, I I feel the gravity of it now because I am going through my own transition now in my thirties. But it does make me feel less alone, and like I can get through this. And like if anything, like. I really want to come out stronger. And so relating back to your question, I think besides the the action items I listed above, I'm actually right now focusing on little changes I can make in my day-to-day to hopefully shift my mindset. I guess like bring back happiness into my life. And for example, I was watching this video um, from this Taiwanese American YouTuber, Rowena Tai. Uh, we, I think we met her before, but she had this video about how do you create systems instead of goals? I think about the little things I do in my day-to-day that really has affected me positively. Like for example, I make my bed every morning. I've been journaling every weekday and meditating every single day since January of this year. And I'm like, I look back, I'm like, damn, I'm so proud of that because I think without that, I wouldn't, even though I'm lost right now, I would be even more lost, you know, if I didn't have these little activities. So I think about what are other little incremental systems I can add, you know, into my life. So that is trying to figure out how to like get in that Korean class or Korean lesson every day or something, or going to bed earlier has definitely, dude, night and day for me. In your 30s, I'm telling you, sleep makes such a big difference. (laughs) Sleep, yeah. And then even something like reading, it's so simple, but like for me, like reading a book and like getting through like 10 pages a night, I feel really good afterwards. So little things like that, that I'm trying to um, add in on a larger level. I think Helen taught, like mentioned this when she was going through her transition, but dude, identifying your values has been freaking like life-changing for me because it gave me a direct reason as to why I felt stuck. And that was a lack of personal growth. Mm-hmm. If I didn't do that value activity, which I honestly got it from Helen at my own solo retreat. I think I would be so confused as to why I feel this way. But but for me, knowing the fact that I highly value personal development, that's like my number one, and then inner harmony, which is sounds woo-woo, but it pretty much is personal development without without having external influence. It made me go, okay, Mel, you're stuck because this, this is one thing you can work on immediately to help you feel like a little bit better. So Dude, spend some time figuring out your values. Like, man, that is so important. And know that it's going to change every few years. So do the test again or like do this practice even more so. And again, the last thing I want to do is the little things, like just really leaning into the positive moments. Like, again, with your friends, like when you're surrounded by loved ones, instead of just being like, boo-hoo, I feel like shit. Like there are going to be moments like that. But hey, just remember you're surrounded by really good people and friends. If I'm cooking in the kitchen, really embrace that moment. Just like lean, just lean into these moments a little more. So those are some things that I'm going to be doing to fill in stuck, but also 
I think be forgiving for my towards myself if I do feel sad sometimes. It's gonna be normal. I'm not like a Teletubby freaking happy all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just I guess be forgiving, but also know that I'm making making my way through this. Oh, meal meal. Hearing you just from the beginning of this episode mm. to where you are now, what a therapy session! <laughs> I know this is amazing. I think you are doing everything that you can. Um, in this moment and you're not sweeping these feelings under a rug you're intentionally manifesting something to happen by acknowledging your feelings and that's the first step that's the hardest step mm-hmm. it really is in setting goals for yourself so props to you mel this is a hard time thank you so much for being vulnerable sharing with us sharing with our listeners what you're going through because i think a lot of people out there they're going to relate to what you're feeling right now Again, I just want to say thank you so much to my good friends for letting me cry again and share my experience, you know, feeling a little lost in transition. I do want to encourage other people who are going through this to let you know that I'm also going through this and, you know, we're, we're kind of in the same boat. You're not alone. And I do want to send you all like virtual hugs because I know there are moments where you're going to feel like lost in your thoughts and maybe cry at night. And there'll be other moments where you feel so much love being around your friends and family. But again, I feel like I, I said this on my Instagram post, but I think in a lot of ways we're going through this breakup with our previous self and then the emotions we feel are going to feel like the waves of the ocean. They're going to come in sometimes. We don't expect it. And they're going to wash away all the negative feelings sometimes and we're going to feel happy. But I am on this ride with you all and we're going to ride this wave. And I think at the end, I have hope that we're going to we're gonna be okay. And again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I'm And we hear you and I feel you all. If you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash asianbossgirl slash support, or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonate with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. If you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called GRBG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is asianbossgirl. Here are some shoutouts from our listeners today. From Anna to Susie in Los Angeles, shout out to Susie for being two classes away from finishing her paralegal studies all while working full time. Her grind is inspiring and I am so lucky to have her as a friend. Happy 25th birthday, Queen. Her birthday was October 15th, so happy belated, Susie. From Michelle to Jessica in Houston, Texas, thanks for being such an amazing friend and badass ABG. Love you so much. From Jiamin to Hannah in Malaysia, Hannah, you are such a beautiful human being. I pray that all good things happen to you and I love you. I said that loud because they're in, the message was in all caps. Uh, from Sammy to Sammy in Jacksonville, Florida. Honestly, myself, Sammy Lee. I love this podcast and it has helped me with my depression, so thank you. Well, thank you for listening, Sammy. From Tom, Angela, and family to Victoria in Toronto, Canada. Happy birthday, Vicky. You're the physio in our lives who helps us keep a grip on things. Much love from Angela, Tom, and family. From Allison to Michelle, whose birthday is on November 20th in Chino Hills, happy 30th birthday to the best sister. You are finally 30, flirty, and thriving. I love you. From Emma to Daniel in Atlanta, happy 24th birthday, Daniel. Thank you for keeping romance alive with handwritten letters. Well, I mean, aw, handwritten letters. That is a lost art. From Shane to my wonderful girlfriend, Amy, in San Francisco. Just wanted to shout out my girlfriend, Amy, the strongest, smartest, and most beautiful person I've ever met. You inspire me every day and can't wait for you to come back from LA. Damn, those are some sweet messages from some boys to their women. So men who are listening, 
Uh, write up some shout outs to your ABGs. If you'd like to send a few words of encouragement or a shout out to your girlfriend or friend or anyone, uh, check out the link in the show description or link tree in our link in bio on Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one. We will catch you all on the next episode. Bye. Bye.